I knew when my number was met, it was time to sell. And that's how I set it up. Because after all the other disasters that I've been in, there was just no way in the world I was going to repeat that over and over and over again. And I knew if somebody was going to give me my number, I was going to buy a house. I was going to put my daughter through college. I didn't have to worry about that. I could pay off all my debt. I knew exactly what I wanted. And so that's really how the story unfolds. It was, did I know I was going to sell to Bill Gates? No. It's a 30 minute hour. Where you grow into your power. Welcome to the 30 minute hour. It's the personal development podcast for the seven figure entrepreneur who's looking to level up and become unstoppable. I'm your host, Eric Twiggs, your procrastination prevention partner. Joining me as always, you know him as the super CEO, the business strategist extraordinaire, and all around good guy, Ted Fells. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. Good to be here. It is certainly a happy Monday. And it's going to be even happier once we get into this episode. I mean, we, uh, we're going to be talking about this, uh, this single mom who sells her business to Bill Gates and makes millions. So it, it's going to be a lot of takeaways. I mean, she went from an in-depth, an in-debt situation to making millions and, and, and i'm sure there was no struggle in between i'm sure it was just easy and piece of cake i'm sure <laughs> she made one she, she made a call to bill he said oh sure no problem and that the rest is history <laughs> that's that's exactly how it happened not now if, if we're only that easy we're, we're going to talk about um, the lessons from her story and hopefully this will inspire you the entrepreneur who you may feel like you're stuck, frustrated, struggling right now, um, you, you're gonna get some inspiration to know that it's possible, that your dream is still possible and the things that you set out to do are still possible. So you definitely wanna lean in and make sure you're taking notes on this episode. But, be, but, but this is not your everyday podcast. Mm. No, we do it a little different here. Yeah, we do it a little different. Yeah, I, we didn't warn our guests, but I have a feeling she's not our everyday guest either. So. <laughs>, <laughs>, Laughs in the background. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I, I hope not. I mean, you tell me. I think the proof is in the pudding. And the question will go to the audience. What did you think? Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I think we, we, we'll get along just fine on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we were already laughing in the green room before we got on. So, yes. 100%. We're going to get along. Yeah, for sure. We uh, were talking backstage, and I can tell you're in for a treat. So you definitely want to buckle your seatbelt. But, but you know you can watch us on Facebook, on LinkedIn, and on YouTube. And then later you can go back and listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any of those other places that you like to consume podcast content. But I'm not going to belabor the point. We're, we're going to get right to it. again. A single mom sells business to Bill Gates and makes millions. I know you're mm -hmm. on the edge of your seat. You're like, how in the world did she accomplish that? Well, I'm, we're going to go ahead and bring her on. She is a, a first-generation immigrant who found herself $135,000 in debt. As a single mom, she bootstrapped her passion for photography and, 
into a highly successful global business and eventually sold it to Bill Gates in a multi-million dollar deal. And then today she's amongst the top 100 global thought leaders, according to PeopleHum, and one of the 50 must-follow women entrepreneurs by Huffington Post. Please join me in welcoming to the 30-minute hour, Beate Chalette. Ta-da! Hi, I'm so glad to be here. This is gonna be this is gonna be a riot. Yes, it is. Welcome. Uh, truly an honor. And I still remember when we were talking on the pre-podcast interview and you're telling me this story and you're like, oh, you know, I'm this immigrant. And then, and then I, I sold my business and I was like, <laughs> so I was like, oh, absolutely. We have to have her on the show. So I've, I've been looking forward to this for quite a while. So let's, let's give people the, the backdrop and full perspective. So mm -hmm. when you were at the Institute of Photo Design in Munich, like, like, what was your vision for your career back in those days? Well, at that time, I thought that I was going to be a world famous photographer and that uh, I'd be having, you know, creative clients lined around the building, vying for me to take photographs in my signature style, creative way of doing things. And that was going to be it. That's that's what I thought at that time. And then it just turned out to not really be that way. Hmm, a little different. So, so, so how, how was it different from your, from your vision? So the story goes that when you are very young and I was, I was 17 when I went to the Institute of Photo Design. So I was really, really young. And I realized very early on that when you are, a creative it takes a lot of craftsmanship to come up and develop a style that's unique to you that's recognizable and i found that the business side of things just naturally became a lot easier for me and i was on this like income sine wave the roller coaster which i'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs can relate to and so I had to figure out something that I could do where I would make a consistent income and where I, but, but that was based on photography. And so I became a photo editor at first, a fancy sort of um, kind of cool zeitgeist, what we called it back then, magazine named Wiener, uh, whoever thought of that. And then afterward, we <laughs> post, post chuckle and then afterward we uh became photo editor at l magazine in germany and then i looked at this and i just didn't like fashion at uh, the fashion industry very much i thought it was filled with all the people that you think it's filled with you know people that are obsessed with appearance and and uh I always wondered, you know, how important something can be that changes a couple of times a year, like fashion. But and I can't really say that out loud because then other than that, everybody in fashion will hate me because that's what they live by. What's next? What's the trend? What to look like? To me, it was very superficial. And that's when I decided that I needed to go on an adventure. And I my adventure was I'm, like, I'm going to do something that I've been too scared to do. And I immigrate. I, I actually went for the year abroad. Uh, to Los Angeles and then the year just never really ended and I, I I liked it so much here in Los Angeles that I 
I stayed here and then, you know, and then the real journey began. But in all books by 23, as I'm running the photo department at Elle magazine, I was already very successful. I already was making good money for 23 old, certainly. Uh, but there was no way for me to go. So I had to figure out what comes after that. Interesting. So if you could go back in time and talk to that younger version of, of yourself, knowing what you know now, what advice would you give her? Just, just, just do the same thing all over again. I mean, that's really, that's really the story. I, I think that one of the things about my life or my story is I don't live a life of regrets. I have learned in the journey that I've been through, and I know we're going to touch on some of these things a little bit further, is that all these things were part of the creation of who I am today. And my dad taught me a very important lesson when I was a, a child. He says at the end of the day, before you go to bed and you're in the bathroom, you're brushing your teeth and you look in the mirror, you're going to have to like that person who looks back at you, right? You can make stuff up all day long. But in that moment, when that person looks at you, your mirror image, you're going to have to be okay with who you are. And that's that's been you know, one of the mantras of my life. How do we become a likable person who likes myself and how can I live with myself? And now I accept that all these pieces, including childhood trauma and all the bad stuff that happens, are just all part of what made me be who I am today. Mm. So what would I say to this young child? The person I probably would, you know, somebody who's gone through significant trauma as a child um, with the abuse I went through, I probably would say that it may be very hard right now for you to understand this, but this is going to build the backbone that's going to enable you to really make change in many people's lives. Yeah, no, that, that's great. And it's just, you know, it's that saying that yeah, everything is happening for you and not to you and it's exactly you know i'm the same way it's like I, I go through and i look back a lot of the hard times i've had and it was bad but i wouldn't change it because that's there's a lot of those things i learned during those times that have got me to this point i don't know if i'd be talking to you right now if some of those hard times didn't happen so definitely we appreciate that perspective um so so i am curious though so how do you you get to a point where you're like one hundred and thirty-five thousand dollars in debt Right. So, so how do you go from that point to the point where you're selling your business to Bill Gates? Uh, there were a, a lot of one syllable words involved. Um, and it is a point where you where you kind of, you know, so much has happened and I'm, you know, fires, floods, riots, earthquake, a tsunami, September 11th. I keep losing things over and over and over again. And then I'm in this crazy lawsuit and the lawsuit settles and I end up with nothing uh, because I paid the attorney, I paid my debt, and then I have to go back into debt a year later to rebuild, which I could have saved myself that year of agony and just rebuilt. I would have had the same effect. And so you get to the point where you go, okay, well, I guess I don't have much of a choice at that point. I'm unemployable. Um, and I, I, I needed to figure this out. I'm a single mom. I, have a child. My ex-husband isn't really very involved, and I have to figure out how I'm gonna, how I'm gonna, how I'm gonna do all of this. And I, you know, I, I found this. I had this idea. 
based on the photography. You know, everything in my life just builds on the creativity and the photography, but always on the business side, where I represented photographers that were doing architectural and interior photography, including celebrity homes. And because I was an editor at Elle magazine in Germany, I realized, you know, I used to be buying these stories and now I was offering these stories. So I knew exactly what I needed to do to build up an international syndication network to license these stories. And everybody wanted these stories. I mean, who doesn't want to see Julian Moore's house or, or Francis Ford Coppola's home? I mean, the, you know, or Seal. I mean, these, these stories just flew, flew off the shelves. However, um, I had no money, so I had to go into debt, into building the business. And then there comes a point where I couldn't borrow any more money to pay, to pay the interest on borrowed money. I mean, you know, now it's, it's kind of like game over. And I fly to Germany to drum up some business, go to an industry conference. I mean, absolutely desperate at that point. And uh, my father has a stroke. And my father did not have a stroke. My father had pancreatic cancer and that had metastasized in his brain and that tumor caused that you know that stroke that then led to the discovery of him being terminally ill with literally six weeks to live and so as i'm going as i'm in germany and we you know had buried my dad and i'm standing at the grave you know now remember i'm 135,000 dollars in debt my best friend my biggest supporter my cheerleader my number one fan uh passed away i'm sitting there i'm going what the heck am i going to even do and then my phone rings it's my office in los angeles we've just been served a notice so now being kicked out of the house that i was living in with that new landlord um that took over because you know the verbal agreement that i could run a home office out of the house from the previous landlord was not in the lease agreement and therefore you know he he threw me out so I'm standing there, I'm falling on my knees, Eric, um, Ted, I'm raising my fist and I'm yelling at God. I'm going like, you know, I mean, dude, seriously, um, if there's a plan, this would be a really good time to fill me in because I, I, I just didn't get it. I mean, it just was incomprehensible to me that at the end of all of this, that somebody would stand there and say, nah, 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 the joke is on you. I mean, it just couldn't fathom that. But here I am, you know, now I need to look for a bankruptcy attorney because it is game over. I mean, at this point, it's just game over. And so I surrendered, I flew back, and I get a letter not too long after that from the White House. Now, the reason I got a letter from the White House is because in my absolute desperation and because my former mother-in-law just wouldn't shut up about it, um, I wrote a letter to the President of the United States. And I get a letter from the White House. And so, you know, my, my ex-mother-in-law, she goes like, you got to write to the president. He's your president. If anybody can help you as a president, why don't you take it all the way to the top? He's the president of all the people. He's also your president. I'm like, fine, fine. I'm going to write the damn letter. So I wrote the letter. I get a letter from the White House. And that put me in touch with a small business administration and the deputy chief director, not some underling, but the second in command. And when I walked in, I had my business plan written. You know, I mean, I was prepared. I did all the work. I had my business plan. I had my portfolio. You know, I had a track record. I, you know, just had fallen onto really bad times. And I was willing to do what it takes. And so they helped me find a bank that took on my debt and restructured it, freed up my line of credit. Three months later, I'm break even. 18 months later, I'm the world leader in my category. 
And that's when uh, Bill Gates' company comes and knocks on the door and says, hey, Beate, can you tell us how you do it? And I'm like, like any decent woman, you want to know what I have, you're going to have to pay for that. And uh, <laughs> and they said, fine, how much do you want? And I said, millions. And they said, okay. And that's how I sold my company to Bill Gates for millions of dollars. <laughs> so... <laughs> This was 18 months. So so in 18 months, you went from just being completely buried and in debt to selling the company to Bill from Gates. From game over, game over to millionaire in 18 months. Wow. And, and so, I mean, the whole time, were you believing? I know you said you were like, why me, God? But, you, but did you honestly think that, you know what? I know this is going on now, but. I'm going to come out on the other side much better. I mean, what what was what was your self talk like when you were kind of in the low points? Well, I mean, one of the big self talk pieces I have is I will not drown in a puddle. Huh. It's just not worth it. Yeah. So if I drown, it's got to be it's got to be the ocean, and it's got to be at the deepest end of the ocean. Otherwise, why bother? Mm. And <laughs> so. I mean, come on, you know, let's just get real. I mean, I see people that get like bent out of shape over ten thousand dollars. I'm like, you know, you 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 gotta you gotta grow a little bit of a thicker skin here. Hmm. Because I think what I I realized at that point is that I looked at other people and I knew it was possible. I knew it was possible because I saw other people do it. And then a friend of mine who was a mentor. He sold his business for $70 million. And then, you know, I, I didn't get anything near that. Um, but he had a much larger operation. But he said to me, you're next, watch. And I'm like, yeah, right. And then he said something to me that is a really big, important piece of advice that I still give other people, you got to know your number. So if you're in business, you got to know what that number is that somebody needs to give you for you to walk away. Because when that day comes, the marker has been achieved and you do what you said you were going to do. I see so many people in the acquisition space that, you know, go like, well, you know, and then I'm going to sell it. And then they get the offer and then they are, well, you know, if I grow it a little bit more, I can get it a little bit more. And then the market implodes or the market conditions change and then they'll never sell. And so I knew when my number was met, it was time to sell. And that's how I set it up. Because after all the other disasters that I've been in, there was just no way in the world I was going to repeat that over and over and over again. And I knew if somebody was going to give me my number, I was going to buy a house so nobody would ever throw me out. I was going to put my daughter through college. I didn't have to worry about that. I could pay off all my debt. I knew exactly what I wanted. And so that's really how the story unfolds. It was, did I know I was going to sell to Bill Gates? No. Did I, did I think that I could sell? Yes. Now, you said a couple of things I want to highlight based off what you just said. Number one, you said, I love this. I knew it was possible because I saw someone do it. And because and, and funny you say that, because I always tell people, you know, it has to be doable if somebody else is doing it. Right? 100%. 100%. <laughs> so people go like, well, I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, the model's already there. The model already exists. You just have, you have to emulate the model. What do you mean? I'm so confused. You're not <laughs> confused. You're making excuses. Mm -hmm. 
The model exists. Follow the model. Yeah, but I don't want to put the time and the money in it. Then you're not following the model. Then it's not possible for you. Right. You have to follow the model. I mean, somebody doing that. I mean, I think that's the value of mastermind groups and things like that. Mm -hmm. Because there's somebody that's in your group that's doing what you want to do. Yeah, I think the the proper term for that is badassing. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. What she said. So, so, so the other thing I wanted to touch on this, this idea of knowing your number. So if we've got an entrepreneur that's watching us now, how, how can they find out what their number is? Is it a mathematical equation or how do you know your number? Well, your number is the number that you never have to work again. So it's really a lifestyle number. So I had a very clear idea of, you know, so let's take, uh, let's take, let's say, let's take 10 million. So if you sell something for 10 million, then uh, 2 million of that is gonna go into taxes. So now you're gonna be left with 8 million. Um, Out of those 8 millions, depending on how old you are, so let's say you're 40 years old and uh, you take your 8 million and you invest uh, conservatively. So let's say for uh, a 10% return on investment, you know, which you can do in a brokerage, then that's $800,000 a year. Off the $800,000 a year, you're going to have to pay again taxes. Um, And then, you know, what is left over and is that the lifestyle you want to live? So you really calculate this based upon what your lifestyle is. Some people say a million is enough for me because I, you know, I just want to get out of the misery that I'm in right now, pay off my debt, and then make a down payment for a house, but I'm young enough, I'm, I'm going to do a second thing. Other people say 5 million. I think that the 5, 6 million is kind of like the sweet spot for most people in the small business world that, that don't have these large operations behind because they it allows you to live off interest on you know a six or multiple six-figure amount, which is a good good lifestyle for most people. Uh, would I sell anything under $5 million? Probably not. Good. Now, I, I think that's useful to know. And, and I always say clarity is the starting point of success. So I think you have to be clear, yes. like you said, on what your number is. So that's, that's great advice. Are you looking to monetize your podcast with any size following, attract paid sponsors, or promote your podcast to get more downloads? Well, I'm inviting you to a free masterclass titled How to Monetize Your Podcast and Explode Your Downloads. During this session, we'll be teaching you the tactics that we used here on the 30-Minute Hour Podcast that have resulted in us achieving over 680,000 total downloads and ranking in the top 2% in popularity amongst all podcasters on the planet. So join us on Saturday, April 15th, 2023 at 10 a.m. Eastern for this free masterclass. To register and reserve your seat, visit the whatnowmovement.com and click the events tab. So, So you're the growth architect and you're the founder of the Women's Code. So first off, let's start with the growth architect. What is a growth architect? I know, right? Um, so the growth architect is somebody who works with visionaries and thought leaders 
who have big ideas and need systems and strategies and build the authority to make their impact. And so what I do is I take people that oftentimes are all over the place or they've done 10 different things and, you know, over the life of their career. And there's so much there that they don't know how to, how to package it, how to offer it, you know, how to, how to put it out in front of their ideal audience. And so I come in and I clean it up and I help them build the umbrella, design the strategy, create a signature growth system for them, which comprises all the things so that they can sell more often. They can sell at different price points. They can different products and they can sell to multiple people that are at different stages. Uh, but it's all under one umbrella and a successful client transformation journey. So I'm the one who comes in when people are realizing they actually have to do the work. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Wait. You mean there's work involved? Uh, yes. The There's two schools of thoughts on that. So in, in mindset, or in, in the quantum, uh, quantum leap philosophy, hard work, working harder isn't necessarily going to get you better results. But to do the work that is necessary to achieve a quantum leap, that is required. So, so I want to be very specific about that differentiation because you cannot scale yourself. So if you already work in 14 hours a day, working 16 hours a day will bring you an incremental increase in result. Mm. But if you are using the time that you work to work the right way or to set the business up so it can scale, now you can achieve quantum leaps. That's not working harder. You know, people call this working smart. It just sounds a little salesy and, you know, very internet marketing-ish. But there really is something along the lines to this. Yeah, it's funny. So, Ted, you and I, we talk about this all the time, about this whole hamster wheel thing. And a lot of times entrepreneurs think, you know, it's, the solution is just to work harder. But that's not always the case. Right, Ted? I mean, you and I talk about this all the time. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's got to be movement. right? You got to be making some, some, some progress. You got to be getting a, pushing the ball down the field. Right. If you're just kind of on this hamster wheel, just kind of spinning around, spinning around, and every day you're exhausted and you've done a you've, you've done a bunch of activity, but you haven't, you know, the, the ball you haven't moved the ball down the field. Then what have you really, what have you really done? You have to, and you have to know if you're not making movement, right? Because you can, you know, you can get up and you can do your routine, and you know, next thing you know, you're still not making the you know, the progress that you have to know when to just say, okay, let me hop up off this hamster wheel for a second. Let me look at it before I jump back up on the hamster wheel anyway. And it may be something different I need to be doing. Yeah, yeah. you're absolutely, I, I, you're absolutely correct. Is that not all activity is good activity or productive activity. So you have to be clear about on whether or not you do what you do, because that's, your program that runs because you've seen your parents work hard or whether or not you're actually executing on a strategy. And that's why we come in because we built the strategy. So you know what to execute on. Mm. Yeah, that's excellent. Do you find, is it a lot of time just a matter of niching and that, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs want to be everything to everybody. 
do you find yourself helping a lot of entrepreneurs to niche as opposed to trying to be all things, all people? That is such a, such a loaded question. So, so I have, of course, a lot of thoughts about this, as I'm sure you already assumed. So I have a theory and the theory is that we are in an era of over nichesizing and I'm a de nichesizer. I actually believe that there is a lot of value right now in people that can see the big picture because everybody has gone so deep into the niche that most people can see the big picture. My brand specifically is anti-nichesizing. I'm a denichesizer because I need to see the big picture and I need to be able to take everything that exists and organize it so that I can make it make sense. So I'm going to give you an example on how that how that looks like in the real world. So when I work with a client, so let's say, you know, I have a digital marketing client. So he does digital marketing. So now people go, it's like, well, what do you what do you specialize on? Is it Facebook ads? Is YouTube ads? Is it SEO? Is it link building? Is it PPC? You know, whatever, whatever it sort of might be. So I look at I look at their whole thing and then I listen to them and I find that this particular this particular partnership that they are they've been around long enough. This is not the flashy digital marketing place. This isn't the we promise you X and X and X and X. And when they hear about the algorithm, they just roll their eyes. I'm like, oh, my God, here's the algorithm excuse again from Internet marketers. Right. Because they know better. So the algorithm changed, but really not that much. It's the same philosophy. They're just fine-tuning X and X and X. And so I'm listening to this. I'm listening to this. I'm listening to this. And I'm like, okay, so we're going to build an umbrella, right? And so we had come up with a term, originally digital intimacy, on how to build intimacy between your prospects and you know, and that the, the clients and their buyers on the internet, and how do we, how do we create this intimacy that so people really feel connected uh, to the brand through this particular kind of process? And now, when when they have a client, this digital intimacy piece is now the diagnostic. It says, well, where do you fall off, and has multiple pieces, and then we can diagnose on well you're not making an intimate enough connection to your buyer because you're in the internet marketing language the language doesn't work your ads are to you know are, are copying your uh your your competitor and your ads don't work so that we can do that so we we i really look at this from a perspective of as long as what you do is cohesive and as long as I can justify that you are leadership consultant, a online course provider, a VIP day strategist, a speaker, as long as I can justify all these pieces, all I really need to do is find the umbrella. We call this creating the signature growth system. And I put the umbrella over it and then I can organize everything underneath of it. It's just that the signature system needs to have a name. So then you're not the leadership expert, but you're the creator of this system that takes your customer or your client through a transformation journey in three steps, five steps, seven steps, 10 steps, whatever they might be. And that now becomes everything that you've done. 
but it's a it's a natural progression to the next step. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I've I don't think I've heard that perspective. Most yeah, most of the focus is on niching, uh, niching down further and further. So so you're not only are you the, the growth architect, but you're also the founder of the Women's Code. So what exactly is the Women's Code? Well, the Women's Code I I designed because as a as a single mom immigrant and a woman leader, I've been up against a lot of really stupid stuff. And I think that people that are perceived as minorities and I mean, women are fifty one percent of the American population. We're really hardly the minority, but we act like one and we treat it like one. And I'm sure you guys can relate to this to some extent um, on what that's like when you're constantly judged by the way you look or by what people perceive of you. And so I realized the deeper I dug into it and when I became successful is that a lot of it was in my control to take charge of it. And that I had to teach women first on how to be in control over what we do before we can go out and blame everybody else um, on what is being done to us. Because our own behavior, um, our own behavior causes a, a reaction. And so if I'm in control of what I do and my behavior, now I have much more control over my outcome. And, you know, getting women out of the reactionary part in the proactive leadership piece, that's what I created the Women's Code for. So, so instead of reacting to say, hey, this isn't fair, this is a glass ceiling, just kind of you, you help them focus on taking proactive steps. Yeah, I can give you an example, and you guys are going to probably crack up over it. Um, so there is not a woman in the world that has not heard that sentence. You are so emotional. Oh, why are you reacting so emotional? Mm -hmm. So I hope you guys never say this, of course, to any woman ever, right? Because you would not ever say something like this. Um, so when somebody says to me, you're so emotional, and as you can guess, I'm really not overly emotionally, certainly not when it comes to business. Um, I have two choices. I can go and I can say, how dare you, Eric, to say something like this to me? You are so-and-so and so-and-so and you with your toxic masculinity and, you know, and in, you know, have you ever heard of DEI and, and women, you know, and I can go in a full-blown assault and what's it going to do? Absolutely nothing other than it proves the point that I just had a very emotional reaction to something that was oftentimes just said to see if I take the bait. Now, if I know that it's thrown out for me to take the bait, then all I'm going to do, and I'm going to just demo this, this is what I do when somebody says you're so emotional, I'm going to go. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. So what I was just saying, you know, as we go back to the interview. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'll make it sound like it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I go right back to what I was saying. It's a checkmate move. Hmm. Wow. Man. Okay. <laughs> so I, please share a success story you have from somebody that applied your your friend, your growth architect framework, they're in this, uh, the women's code. What's your favorite success story? Oh God, there's so many of them. You know, I had a, I worked with a woman who um, was in an arranged marriage and uh, wanted to commit suicide because it was so bad. And then she had read a quote about um, 
a, a motivational quote. And then she came to me and she says, I want to build a business around providing people with motivational quotes. And then she built up an online business on how to, you know, have these printed motivational quotes and either framed or in t-shirts on jewelry. And, you know, she did that and she sold it successfully. Uh, I have a, a woman who uh, went through a divorce, a single mom who was in the medical aesthetics field. And, you know, we literally crawled around on the floor and created her signature system. She's built a multiple six-figure business. She has investors. She's now created a SaaS company out of it. Um, I have a another woman who is a data scientist, just smart as a whip, black woman from New York, who's now in London and designed that wanted to design an ethical framework for luxury brands for their search engines, like super specific. And while I couldn't even understand half of the terminology she was using, but we succeeded in building a framework. She walks out two days later, she writes a $50,000 job. I, I mean, the store is just going, 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 go. I mean, this is all about taking what people already have, helping them organize it, and making them, uh, giving them the confidence to talk about it. So it's not about me, 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 but the system that they create. And I mean, they go out and they sell. Man, those are some amazing stories. Uh, so I, I am curious, because I know you get interviewed <clears throat> all the time, just based off of your amazing story. Like, what's the one question that you never get asked, but you wish people would ask you? I'm really glad you asked him this question because nobody really ever asked this me. I asked this and it's like, what does it really take? You know, that, you know, now that let's just, let's just, you know, be in our bathrobes uh, with no makeup on and really talk about what does it take? It mm -hmm. always looks great looking back and saying, yeah, rags to ridges, you know, middle class to success, you know, fought, whatever. But what does it really take to do? What it really takes to do is an unbelievable amount of discipline and mm. focus and a no BS attitude because you think that, you know, and even me today, you know, and I'm a multimillionaire. I mean, the money's in the bank, you know, I'm good, but I have committed to building this because I want to help people make an impact. My impact as a company is measured. It's in our mission statement by the impact we help others make. So if I don't help people, I'm not doing what I said I was going to, what I was going to do. So even, even I, even at this point, and, and talk to anyone out there, that fear factor that can I actually do this again? Or, or does what I do matter? Does it make an impact? Um, cash flow crunch. How do I, how do I get through this? This never changes. The fear is your constant companion. You will never get over that. You will always have to do your daily practice of mindset. And the minute you let up and, uh, you know, and, and I work with a mindset trainer and he, he calls it the subconscious mind is insidious because it always wants to, and he has it from Bach Proctor. Uh, and it always pulls you back into your original behavior, the original fear, the original barriers that, you know, your parents like, don't touch this. You're going to get hurt. Why did you get a real job? You know, what about health insurance? So you have these voices constant in your head because you've been trained that way. That's your upbringing. It's your core operating system to, to really master success. 
you have to learn on how to override your old operating system with a new operating system. And it only works if you run that system every single day. That's what it takes. Mm. So is, is it just a matter of just constantly like working on your mindset, like with positive books, videos, maybe having a coach? What, I mean, what, is it, what does it take to override the system from your vantage point? Knowledge, skill. So there's three pieces, mindset, action set, and skill set, right? Mm. So number one, do we have the mindset? Do I actually believe it? Um, so the figuring it out is all great, but I mean, are you actually going to believe it? So that's why I always say, well, if somebody does, it must be possible. If it's possible, it must be possible for me. So then my question isn't, can I? Then my question is, how can I? It's a very simple shift. So that's my mindset. Then my skills said, do I have the skills to do this? So last year, I figured out in Q4 that I really needed to get my lead generation fixed because my lead generation just wasn't, wasn't good enough. It wasn't producing the results I wanted. Now in Q1, I am focused on my sales and my conversion. I invest in programs and courses to learn how other people do successfully what I, what I need to master on how to do. And I have a strategy every single quarter. So you have to, you know, in the skill set, you have to be clear. And I think Tony Robbins says, you don't, if you don't achieve a goal, it's because you don't have the skill set and you don't know how to apply yourself. So people go like, well, I, I should be able to figure this out. No, absolutely not. Why would you be able to figure this out? Like, why don't you go to somebody who's already figured it out? You just have to make sure it's not some scammy internet marketer, but it's actually a person who's actually done it verifiably. So don't fall there for the so-called persuasive language. Go for the expert. And then the third thing, thing is the action. I mean, are you taking the action consistently? Because that's the only thing you're going to have control over. So here I am last week, you know, and I'm in a cash flow crunch. And I, because, you know, whatever, you know, I worked my butt off in Q4. I took some time off in Q1. Now it bites me in the butt. And so now I'm sitting here. I'm like, how am I going to do that? And I'm going like, wah, wah, wah. you know, I can't believe life is so mean to me. And uh, what's the only thing I have control over is like, okay, well, let's restart my mindset program. And, you know, I, you know, I'm all cool, you know, making all this money in Q4. Things are great. What do I need that for? Oh, that's right. You can't never let up. Back in the habit, skill set, learn the sales, you know, just do the work. Action set, get on the phone calls, you know, have these conversations, be out there, do the work. That's what it takes. Mm mindset skill set and action set yeah that that's that's fantastic and, and if you're this is a, that would be a good place to take notes so those entrepreneurs who are watching this right now because uh, well they better be taking goes, notes already i mean if not what's wrong with you people <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean that these, these are some great points and she, she's dropping some some boulders of knowledge here uh, so, so you're also the author of uh, the number one bestseller, Happy Woman, Happy World, How to Go from Overwhelmed to Awesome. Uh, what will people gain by reading this? If you have ever been with a woman, want to be with a woman, know a woman, uh, you definitely will 
figure out what the playbook of the other team is. And as, as a lot of men have told me, so the concept of the book is number one, I wanted to share my leadership principles for women and the difference between how women and men lead so that people can actually have a tangible, applicable, you know, component and saying like, this is how, this is how my life works, or this is, this is, this is what I need to understand how to work with women, or this is how women can understand to work with men. And then I developed the concept is a full of concepts. So one is the superhuman paradox where I explain on why people constantly chase perfection and what, you know, and, and sort of the simple mindset mindset shift that you can do to get out of this perpetual need to um, to chase perfection. It's a very simple fix in the book, Happy Woman, Happy World. And then I talk about a concept that I've developed, uh, another concept called ecorhythm. And that is to help people really understand what rhythm of life they're in, because you always want to be in a different one than the one you're in. And that leads to this perpetual dissatisfaction. And an example on that is that a lot of people in COVID entered a transition ecorhythm where there was really a major transformation in their life, where they had to, um, you know, come out on the other side with something new. And now that this trans, transition ecorhythm and, you know, and a, a rhythm is usually about three to four years. And if you look at COVID, I mean, you know, a rhythm is three to four years. I mean, it's like right in that time span, right? So we're now in a different rhythm after this intensity of the first three years of COVID. And, um, you know, what rhythm, I, what, what rhythm of yours is going to be next? And so I have nine rhythms that I've identified. It's in the book. And... Um, you can figure out which one you're in and which one you may want to be in next. Excellent. Excellent. Again, that's happy women, happy world, how to go from overwhelmed to awesome. Make sure you pick up your copy today. Today. Not today. tomorrow. That's right. Today. Don't, that's right. Don't procrastinate. Action. Do it, do it now. For sure. Okay. So we're going into our, our final segment. It's called Write This Down. And this is where each of us share at least one key takeaway from today's episode that we want the people to write down so they can level up. And we'll start with you, uh, Miss Growth Architect, our guest of honor. What, <laughs> what, is, uh, what should the people write down so they can level up? I think the most important thing is write down what it actually is that you want. Because when I ask an adult, what is it that you want? More likely than not, I get a bunch of blank stares, a couple of like, let me think about this, a couple of hmms, uhs, wells, but if I ask a five-year-old, Eric, how long do you think it's going to take a five-year-old to tell me what they want? Just like that, they could tell you. Ice cream, truck, you know, have daddy hug me, you know, do my homework, whatever, whatever that might be. So somewhere along the way, we, we forget on what it is that we actually want. So you got to get very clear what you want. Do you want a lifestyle business? Do you want a laptop business? Do you want to travel? Do you want to spend more time with your family? Do you want to only work three days a week or four days a week so you can have some time with your kids? What exactly is it that you want to do? 
because based on that, we're going to design the strategy for your business. If you don't have that, any strategy will get you there because it's relevant because you, you don't know what you want. Then you'll always be searching for something that somebody says that fits into a non-existent strategy and say, yeah, speaking from stage, that sounds good. Well, why don't I invest some money in that? So that's what you want to write down. You want to write down what is it that I want for myself and my family. Write down what you want. And again, it goes back to being clear. And I'm just seeing this, this theme. It's all about clarity, right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. It's like, how can you get there if you don't know where it is? I mean, if you and I were going to go skiing, I'm going to tell you that I'm going to go all the way to the top of the mountain. And then I'm going to look how I'm going to get there. Yep. Yep. No, great. Fantastic. Write that down. Write down what you want. Okay, Ted. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it all, you know, still come, it comes down to, you know, just your your, your vision, right? Whatever that, that vision is, it's, it's, your, it's your vision. Right, no matter you know how you know big it is, how crazy it seems, as long as it doesn't seem crazy to you, right? That's all they really. It can't even seem crazy to you, right? You know, but it's yours. And I just think, long as you you know you you identify that vision, you stick with it, and you continue to push, and you know, I mean, you make it happen. You just make it happen. You figure it out. You know, like I. I always say, you know, some, you know, faith, faith and hustle, right? You know, so yeah, write that down. Write it down. Faith and hustle. You got to have a vision. Uh, so, so my my takeaway from this episode is that it's just it's not all sunshine and rainbows, right? <laughs> that you know, would we, be great. Yeah, it would be wonderful if it was. Oh my God, that would be awesome. I mean, I mean, look, you know, if you know, I just got back from Iceland. So, if anybody's thinking about going to Iceland, just a, a quick hint: the name of the country consists out of two words. One is ice, and the other one is land. Uh, so, it gives you a pretty good indication of what this land is about. It's mm. ice land. Mm. That's the coldest thing I've ever done, and we went there in the winter. So, so if I didn't drive in that snowstorm, how would I ever appreciate the sun that comes afterward? Mm. Yeah. And now yeah. that I've been in this absolutely excruciatingly cold climate and I come back to Los Angeles, man, this is the best thing ever. So you can't appreciate what's always in front of you sometimes without having seen the other side of it. And I think this is really part of the character building. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Yeah, but again, it's it's not all sunshine and rainbows. And nope. the struggle, and so my big thing is the struggle is a part of your story. The struggle is a lot, a lot of times the story. Yeah, and a lot of times we think when we're struggling, we're getting off track. Like, hey, you know, I want to go here, but now I'm facing this struggle, so that means I may not get there. No, that that's actually what's going to, the struggles were actually was going to take you to where you want to go because you learned so many valuable lessons. So, I think that's a really good point that you made. The struggles get you where you want to go. Because if, if you think about the way a story is told, the story doesn't say, Eric, Eric woke up one day a prince. 
And then a lot of really great things happened to Eric and people gave him things and they supported him and everything was awesome. And then one day somebody handed Eric a crown and he became the king. I mean, what kind of boring story is that? <laughs> there are no dragons. Yeah, I'll sign up for that story. I mean, you know. I, 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 Eric, Eric, said, what, Eric said, what's not to like about that story? Right. I like it. Yeah. Most no. stories are not like that. Most stories no. are dragons, <laughs> enemies, warriors, fights, battles, wounds, despair, cold nights. That's just the story. That's That's the... You know, and the and the harder the story, the greater the outcome. So the mm. question is, you know, you're gonna go and go to a dinghy or a big yacht. I mean, when my ship came in, it was a nice little luxury liner. I'm okay with that. That's awesome. So th this this is just another one of those episodes. This could be like a three hour show. I have so many things I want to ask you, but I know you have things. To now do. you really want to ask me things, right? Now now that oh, we've yeah. gotten this far, and now you're like, wait, wait, now I have the real questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got the real ones. Those are the warm-up questions. That's why we yeah, were stretching before we were going in, questions. right? <laughs> That's, right. <laughs> That's why we stretched beforehand. Stretch it out. Stretch it yeah, out. Stretch it out. Oh, oh man. So, so how can our followers best connect with you? Yeah, so uh, reach out with me on uh, social media, uh, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, wherever, wherever you find it. And uh, you find me under Beata Gillette or The Growth Architect. While we edit, I just want to make sure that everybody who's listening to this or watching it, that you please go and subscribe to this show and leave a five-star review because it is a labor of love. And these two gentlemen live thank off you. the thank yous and the thank yous alone. So make sure you thank them and tell them one thing you've taken away from this episode and please share it with one other person. And if you want to find uh, out you know what's your number one growth blocker in your business is go to growthblockerquiz.com it's a it's a three minute quiz and i can tell you exactly in a very short amount of time what the number one thing is that's in your way of growing your business uh and if you have any questions or feedback or takeaway you want to share with me please by all means do that i'm, I'm here for you i'm here to help all right okay we need to have Beate back on the show <laughs> I tell you, everything she shared and just the inspiration she provided, it's just been fantastic. Thank you for sharing all the things that you've shared and just sharing your insights. We've gotten several comments um, from Rudy Jackson and Kevin Koch, uh, who've been following along the whole time. Um, and they've been thanked. They, they want to thank you for um, all the things you've shared uh, on this episode. Uh, speaking of sharing, don't forget to share the show. Share the show. Share the show. Share the show. I mean, <laughs> just one person. That's right. To yourself. Just one person. Just make that your commitment. You're going to share it with at least one person. All this great information. Uh, again, we want to thank Beate Chalette for being on the 30 Minute Hour podcast. Don't forget you can go back and listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any of those places you like to consume podcast content. That is our time for this week on the 30 Minute Hour Podcast. Till next time. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the 30 Minute Hour Podcast. We need your help to grow the show. 
One of the best ways that you can help us is by leaving both a rating and a review. You can go to Apple Podcast, Stitcher, or any of those other podcasting platforms and leave us a rating and a review. We've got a bonus that we're running for this month, a special bonus, that if you take a screenshot of that rating and review and you email it to eric at ericmpwiggs.com, you get entered into a special drawing where you can win a free copy of my book, The Discipline of Now, 12 Practical Principles to Overcome Procrastination. And then lastly, don't forget to share the show. That's right, share the show. Share this show with someone in your network who you know will benefit from the message. Again, I thank you for listening. And remember, don't allow perfect to become the enemy of progress. So keep growing, keep growing, keep moving, keep moving. Oh.